Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes already. This is a Mesh Musings episode where I do a relatively short overview, some might call a few of them rants, on a specific topic related to Data Mesh. I try to put uh, you know my few summary takeaways in the show notes too to make it easy to decide if this will be useful for you. Quick reminder as well to hit the Data Mesh Understanding link in the show notes to easily review listings of past episodes you might have missed, you know, that I've grouped up on different topics to make it easy if you want to do like a deep dive into governance or something like that. Do check out the Data Mesh Understanding offerings as well and the free community introduction and roundtable programs while you're there. Now with that, on to the Mesh Musing. Data product documentation, a primer, Mesh Musings 18. So this is one that I'm seeing woven through so many of the conversations I'm having on this podcast and end off. Documentation around a Mesh data product is pretty key, but most of the time I talk to people about documentation, it's about the technical creation and lineage information. And honestly, that makes me kind of have a sad, as the kids might say. So let's talk about data product documentation and somewhat interweave that into data discovery, discoverability. Jamak talks about data products being self-describing. I will admit, I fully disagree with that notion if it means that it is only the description that is necessary. If you listen back to Sarita Back's episode number 52, she mentions a few times the importance of naming your mesh data products in such a way that people can understand what they are. Why? Because that is part of being self-describing. There is literally the phrase of don't judge a book by its cover because it is human nature. If I don't understand what a mesh data product might possibly be about, how likely am I to check it out? Or if I am looking for information on a specific topic, you know, if, if something is named in a way that doesn't make sense to people, are they going to investigate that specific product to see if there's something in there that they might use? So let's talk about documentation in general. I fully agree that the data platform should create auto documentation, and that that documentation should live in the code to be propagated into the data catalog or whatever data discovery tooling you use. That might be an ideal, but let's talk reality as well for a second. I'm not hearing that auto-generated documentation is really all that great just yet. So we need some human intervention to make sure that auto-generated documentation is good, right? That it's actually generating useful information. And that is just the documentation about the data. The data is the ones and zeros. What about the information that data actually represents? This is where a lot of folks get lost and or super grumpy. This is where the data product 
cannot be automatically self-describing. You can make the data product self-describing so people can go and, and understand exactly what, well, understand most of what it is. We shouldn't say exactly here. This is also where all the engineers in the room start throwing rotten produce at me. Why? Number one, language is really hard. Conveying things in such a way that someone stumbling upon your data product can fully understand it is nigh on impossible. I do think you need some language there, obviously, but I'm seeing an emerging pattern that potential consumers should be able to understand kind of mostly what a mesh data product is about, but if they want to regularly consume from that, they should be required, straight up required, to discuss with data producers how they're going to consume it and for what reason. There's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it is uh, around governance and things like that, that the data producing teams can feel real comfortable with how data is being used. But it also could add a ton of value for the consumers because the data product may be able to be augmented to better support what they're doing or the the data product owner may say, oh, no, you should you should actually... Um, take these these columns instead of that one column that you were looking at. The, these these two actually better represent what you're looking at. And it might also be part of the funding agreement. If you listen to episode number 72 with Emily Gorsinski, I think you will really understand why this is necessary because the consumers work with the producers to really tell them what do the consumers really, really need, right? Does this need to meet um, you know, a timely requirement? Does it need to meet a quality requirement? And, and why? And that you can get to that data product really serving consumer needs instead of kind of being off the shelf and it's not really what they want and they have to do a bunch of work. The last Mesh Musings was about total cost of ownership. If the data consumers have a high total cost of ownership, that's a bad sign, right? That should be on the producers. So have those conversations. Number two, it cannot be done automatically. And it requires true effort to maintain good documentation around the information. Hence, it's actually a product. Managing your data as a product is an ongoing thing, not a ship and forget kind of thing. It's not that you can just let it be because the world is changing. So the information about your domain is changing. And so you need to be able to change your data product as that happens. You know, you don't want to change it just for the sake of changing it, but your documentation may also change and, and say, this is how we were thinking about it. But we've kind of, you know, obviously Vasylum in his episode talked about that they the concept of an order is 10x more complicated than it was, you know, five years ago at Flexport. So you, you kind of need to be staying up to date. So what is a good way of approaching all this documentation concept around your mesh data products? I think there are two really relevant episodes of the podcast for you. Number 43 with Tim Tischler at Wayfair who talks a lot about internal information sharing. You know, show and tells are proving incredibly valuable for them. And you can record them so people in the future can understand kind of what you were thinking and, and you don't have to have only one-on-one -on -one conversations or one-on-a-few, you have that leverage. But, you know, Tim talked a lot, just like Emily Gorsinski, about kind of reliability engineering and that 
to be reliable, you need to be able to share this information and have high context information exchanges. The other episode is number 40 with uh, Xavier Gumaro Rigol, who was at Adavinta at the ta- time. And he was talking about how Adavinta implemented their notebook system where they have sample notebooks for every data product. So people can get a good sense of the types of queries the mesh data product creators intended. You can obviously use that, that mesh data product in completely different ways. And that's kind of the great thing about um, you know doing data mesh is that you have that reusability and that it's not super designed for only one specific use case, but that you can also make it so somebody can kind of come to a data product and understand what it might be. So what are my overall points from this? Number one, auto documentation is a big win if you can get it going, but it is likely only going to be the documentation on the data, not the information. The actual documentation on the information, like what does this actually mean, not how is it created, you really need to work on that. Number two, your mesh data products will evolve. That means updating the documentation. It's not one and done. You need to be prepared if you're going to manage, if it's a product, Products evolve. The real world is evolving. So you need to be ready to evolve your documentation. Number three, you need to focus a lot on people being able to understand your data product from your documentation, but you also want to encourage direct context sharing if there's a new potential regular data consumer from your mesh data product. You should have those one-on-one conversations. I know a lot of people get really worried and say, oh, am I going to have 8 million of these conversations? No. like, And you might have a new data consumer conversation every week, and that's going to get you to 50 teams consuming from your data product. Is that really going to happen? Probably not. But let's say it does. That's 50, 30-minute, 45-minute conversations, and it prevents a ton of ticket requests and back and forth. So it's just kind of smart business to do that. Number four, give consumers an easy path to extracting useful information from your mesh data product. Sample notebooks is a great example with sample queries, you know, maybe even a a thing of how other people are using it or that you might have, uh, you know, a dashboard that also shows some of the useful information from what's contained in the data or, or whatever. Number five, use the show and tell model. Direct person-to-person information exchange is going to lead to better questions. So it leads to better outcomes for the consumers, but it also might lead to better outcomes for the producers. Number six, create a culture where documentation is rewarded. This is a big one. I know so few places that really talk about documentation as a big win. Documentation needs to be rewarded and you need to give time for people to create and maintain documentation. Last point, number seven, focus on getting someone to a good understanding of the mesh data product, but it's okay to not put absolutely everything from your domain in the mesh data product or the documentation. Flag things for people to, to come and discuss with you you know, oh, this is a, a complex topic. So here, here's our definition of, uh, you know, a user. That's not that complicated. But, you know, these three event types are pretty complicated. So come talk to us if you want more information. Here's a, a kind of beginning summary. But really, if you want to dig deeper, come talk to us and we can give you the full context. I think that's 
a valuable, viable way to do documentation because you do want your consumers to understand. And I think one thing that I'm seeing with data discovery is that people want it to all be completely automated. And the more that I'm, I'm talking to people, there's a lot of technologists that really want that. But I think if we learn from the library sciences, the library and information sciences space, right? you still have that librarian that is enabling people. And it might be that they're enabling them more behind the scenes, but a lot of it is if you've got a question, you can go and talk to somebody. Like we can't just have data discovery be fully automated because it's going to mean that we're dropping so much value on the floor because you can't share all of your context in documentation. It's just not going to work. And so you're going to have some confusion points. And so you need to kind of have that that ability for people to understand what it's about, but maybe not fully, you know, fully, fully grok every aspect of it and that it's okay to tell them to come talk to you. So with that, I'm going to sign off on this Mesh Musing. Hopefully it was useful for you. Hopefully that was a useful Mesh Musing for you. Please do rate and review the podcast. It really does help. And if you'd like to get in touch and see how I can be helpful to you, check out the show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. As I mentioned, there are some great free programs in addition to some very affordable things around implementer intros and roundtables on the Data Mesh Understanding website. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And with that, now on to the funky outro music.